Welcome to From the Hacks, Waking Up with the Scotties Playoff Edition. We have one guest on this morning's episode, and it is Al Cameron, the Director of Communications and Media Relations at Curling Canada. We also recap day two of the championship pool. We set up Sunday's playoff action, and I also include a special thank you to the Canadian curling community that I prepared for Curling Day in Canada. As I mentioned in the intro, to start this episode, I wanted to include something I posted on social media yesterday for Curling Day in Canada. It is a thank you to the Canadian curling community from me, as I share a few of the high moments I've experienced since launching the From the Hack podcast some six years ago. About six years ago, I was having lunch with my father, and I was telling him that I wanted to start a podcast. And my first instinct was hockey, because, well, I'm Canadian, and and I love hockey. But my father knew that the hockey media market was already saturated, so he suggested curling. It was a sport I was familiar with, having been a member of the McIntyre Curling Club in Timmins for several years, and it was a sport I enjoyed watching, but I had never played it competitively, and truth be told, I had no connections in the sport. My curling journey started with emails to 2010 Olympic silver medalist Cheryl Bernard, who has since become a friend, and John Morris, who both took a chance to be on a podcast with a guy who, quite honestly, they'd never heard of. Over the past six years, I've interviewed over 30 Olympic medalists, over 80 world champions, and hundreds of other curlers, coaches, administrators, and journalists from 14 different curling nations. I'll be honest, speaking to Brad Gushu or Jennifer Jones at the after they've won a Briar, Scotties, or World Championship is always fun, but that's not what has made me fall in love with the sport during this journey. What has made me fall in love with the sport are the people and the moments. From the eye-opening conversation I had about the lack of diversity in the sport with Sarah Benkaran, a Muslim-Canadian curler, to chatting with several young, wide-eyed junior curlers from my holiday episode a year ago, many of them doing their first media interview, the sport has offered me a wide spectrum of opportunities, and I've met so many interesting people along the way. I've interviewed just about all of the country's best players on multiple occasions, and I've developed friendly relationships with several members of the larger Canadian curling community. But I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the younger curlers. From three-time Canadian and two-time world junior champion Tyler Tardy, who once joked with me that he enjoyed waking up to an email from me because it usually meant that something special had happened on the ice for him the previous day. To Matt Dunstone, who I interviewed for the very first time the day after he won his second Canadian juniors. And I'll be honest, when he cried during his post-game interview after winning his first slam last year, I may have had tears welling up in my eyes as well. And of course, there is Logie Saint-Georges, who... Many have discovered for the first time this week as she became a media darling at the Scotties with her fine play and her great personality. True story. Luggy is the only person ever to have hosted an episode of my podcast except for me. Stepping in for me three years ago when I had a death in the family just as the Scotties was about to start. So the young lady who won so many fans this week at the Scotties was covering the Scotties for me just three short years ago. I'm from a small town in Northern Ontario and I never shy away from telling people that they should fear the moose at a Scotties or Briar and it's a venue in Northern Ontario that has allowed me to live two of the most memorable live curling moments I've experienced to date. Moments that saw the Canadian curling community come together in both triumph and tragedy. I was in the Memorial Gardens in North Bay, Ontario where the media bents shook as the crowd erupted after Jennifer Jones made a key shot in the ninth end of the final at the Women's Worlds in 2018. And less than two years later, I was at a slam event in the very same building which got so quiet during a tribute to Allie Jenkins about a week after her tragic passing that the only noise you could hear were a couple of players quietly sobbing at ice level. 
Almost a year ago now, I was leaving the Leon's Place Arena in Kingston about an hour after finishing interviews with Team Gushu following their victory in the Briar Final. Little did I know that it would be the last curling I would get to cover for close to a year. I've missed you curling and I'm glad you're back. And on this curling day in Canada, I wanted to thank our Canadian curling community for letting me in. Letting a kid from a tiny town called Foliette live one of his dreams, even if playing on Briar Ice came during the media game in Kingston. And more than anything else, I wanted to thank you for allowing me to tell your stories. Happy Curling Day in Canada, everyone. In the third draw of the championship pool, wildcard team Flurry defeated wildcard team Pearson by a score of 6-5. to five. After the game, Chelsea Carey was asked to reflect about her team's week at the Scotties. I feel like we were on the wrong side of the inch a lot. We, uh, we, we felt like we were playing a lot better than the results that we were getting, unfortunately, but sometimes that happens. I mean, there's luck and fate involved in events like this, and unfortunately it just wasn't on our side this week. In other action on Saturday afternoon, Team Manitoba earned a key victory, defeating Ontario by a score of 9-1, to with both teams still very much in the playoff picture. Meanwhile, Alberta continued their strong play, defeating Saskatchewan by a score of 9-4. to Alberta moved to 8-3 and and was one of only four teams that are still in the hunt for the playoffs. The loss dropped Saskatchewan to 6-5. and for their part, Team Canada guaranteed themselves a spot in the playoffs with a 7-4 win over the young team from Quebec. After the game, Team Canada's Brianne Meyer spoke about how moving forward, the team will be able to lean on the experience they earned in last year's Scotties playoffs. Yeah, um, it's great to have that experience playing in that final game. So we're definitely going to use that to our advantage as much as we can. And but we still have to show up and we still have to play a good game. So we're just going to do everything we can to get to that final game. We still have a few in front of us and hope for the best. In the final draw of the championship pool, Jennifer Jones made a draw to the 8-foot against two Team Canada Stones in an extra end to win 10-9 and earn Manitoba a spot in the tiebreaker. After the game, Jones said her team has no problem playing three games on Sunday if it means a Scotty's championship. Not if it gets us a Scotty's title. I think we didn't play a lot of games coming in. We're well-rested, so we should be, uh, I don't know, adrenaline usually takes you through those games, so I'm sure Hopefully we'll be able to play three and at the end of the day, at the, the end of it, we'll be tired. But I think when you're playing, you'll be fine. Wildcard team Peterson ended their first ever Scotties with a 10 to three win over team Quebec. Team Peterson finishes the Scotties with a record of seven and five, while Quebec finishes with a record of six and six. Both teams will be leaving Calgary, having impressed everyone with their poise, their play and their love of the sport. After the game, Beth Peterson was a little disappointed with the way the championship pool played out, but she was also proud of the way her team competed all week. Yeah, really proud of the girls. Um, it was hard to come back after today, but you just got to get one more win. If we played like that a little earlier, we'd be seeing you guys tomorrow, but that's okay. It is what it is, and I'm just so proud of our team for um, fighting through every game. We obviously were had a few TV games that we made really exciting in the end, um, and we really kept it in every game, regardless of what the scoreboard was, um, and I'm just so proud of the team for putting 12 th- games together after not playing all year. We're pretty exhausted, to be honest. Team Walker of Alberta earned a spot versus Team Jones in the tiebreaker with a 9-4 win over wildcard Team Flurry. After the game, Laura Walker spoke about whether her team was satisfied with their week so far. And we're happy. Like, we're, we had to win that game. It looks like Jens has control out there. So had we lost, we were out. So we're definitely proud of ourselves, and we'll take a second to, to celebrate what we've done here. But uh, pretty much as soon as, as soon as now, it's back to business. 
And finally, on Saturday evening, Team Homan earned a direct spot in the final with a 7-2 victory over Saskatchewan, who finished the Scotties with a record of 6-6. Six six. After the game, Rachel Homan expressed how happy she was that she would get almost 24 hours of rest before the Scotties final. Personally, um, <laughs> pretty huge for me not to play three games tomorrow, but I, I know we were ready to do whatever it took to, to be in that final. Thankfully, it, the way it fell that we're able to get that by and get some rest and get our feet up and just prepare for the final tomorrow. My guest this morning is Al Cameron, the Director of Communications and Media Relations for Curling Canada, who joined me to discuss media relations at Escondes, where there's no media on site except for the TSN broadcast crew. Al, because this is the Waking Up with the Scotties show, I'm starting each interview by asking guests what their go-to beverage is to get themselves going in the morning. Hey, got to be true to the sponsor. It's Tim Horton's coffee. Got to love it. Black. Now, the cancellation of most of the curling season has created a gap in the lives of many people involved with the sport of curling. I know you've been busy at times during the pandemic, uh, keeping everyone informed as to different decisions reached by Curling Canada, cancellations, the announcement of the bubble, etc. But how have you gone about dealing with the fact that your routine has been impacted greatly by the pandemic, just as much as the curlers and the other people who cover it? Well, uh, clearly there was a, a little more stress attached to it, right? I mean, but uh, our planning process for, to put these events on started way back in April, May. I mean, the seed was planted pretty early and we started those discussions. And uh, our, our team, led by Nolan Thiessen and Daniel Amaru, started the discussions with uh, Alberta Health and the Public Health Agency. Kind of, there was a lot of focus during the summer and, and fall in terms of how to do this, can we do this, uh, will we do this? Uh, the will we do this part was pretty easy because we all had kind of a shared ambition to make it happen, but it was the how uh, that uh, that had to be dealt with. And fortunately, uh, you know, there was a lot of learnings to be had from what took place in Edmonton during the NHL bubble and obviously the World Juniors. So the how started to fall into place as well. So, you know, in terms of, is it different? Yeah, it's definitely a different off-season than I've ever experienced in this position. But uh, ultimately, you know, it still had the kind of same ambitions that we have every off-season, and that's to put on successful curling championships. Not long after the Calgary bubble was announced, Al, uh, came word that media would not be allowed inside the bubble except for the TSN broadcast crew. Did you consult with people in other leagues or involved with other sporting events where Zoom media scrums became the norm to get an idea of best practices and what worked for them? Yeah, we talked to, uh, for instance, the Toronto Raptors PR department. We had a sit down with them. Uh, a few of us that were in the winter sports uh, kind of uh, scenario that put on events, us and Skate Canada, Hockey Canada. You know, the the Raptors had put on a pretty good program for their hometown media, even though they were down in, in Disney World. So we wanted to learn from what they did. And, of course, we talked to Hockey Canada about their scenarios and their protocols, and uh, as well as uh, the NHL people, particularly. Uh, I have some contacts at the Calgary Flames. So we kind of put into practice everything uh, that they uh, executed successfully with the, uh, you know, the understanding that uh, ultimately this is about keeping everyone safe, and that includes the media. Typically, after each draw of a major event like the Scotties, players from different teams meet with the media in scrums, and there's always the opportunity to spend a few minutes with individual players on the side as well for one-on-one chats. With everyone covering the Scotties from afar, Al, this week, I'm wondering if your phone was extra busy with members of the media looking to set up individual interviews. 
Yeah, a little bit, but that happens at uh, most events. So uh, we've been doing our best to make that happen. And uh, so far, the cooperation has been outstanding from the players as well as the media. I mean, part of it was kind of managing the expectations of what would be and what wouldn't be possible. And and uh, it's actually gone as smoothly as we could have hoped for at this point. One of the things I've noticed, Al, is that many media outlets and podcasters like me have had to get creative about how to go about covering the Scotties when we're not on site. Might that be one of the unexpected positives from this year's Scotties is that the media outlets have been forced to create different ways to provide additional coverage of the event without being there? I suppose, sure. I mean, uh, there's no shortage of interest, as you've noted, Frank, and uh, just the way the coverage is being executed uh, obviously is different from the traditional way, but uh, uh, ultimately it's all good um, and clearly reflects that there's a great deal of interest out there in the Scottish Tournament of Arts. Now, typically at an event like the Scotties, Curling Canada creates a lot of content of its own, whether it be the daily newspaper, and you also do a bunch of coverage on social media. I'm just wondering how the bubble has impacted your team's ability to cover this year's Scotties the way you typically do during a regular Scotties or a regular buyer or the trials or any other big event hosted by Curling Canada. Well, uh, restrictions not only just restrictions of the health protocols, but resources, right? I mean, this isn't a typical season, so we don't have typical resources to bring in as many personnel. So that's reflected in, for instance, we're not able to do the daily newspaper. But uh, we do have people on site. Obviously, I'm here. We have our photographer. We have a couple of people doing video work and uh, and social media. So, uh, you know, we're trying to do the best under the circumstances, and I think uh, we're providing a very good product. And finally, Al, you were a reporter for several years before taking on your current uh, role at Curling Canada. What do you believe are some of the underreported or underappreciated topics about the sport that should get more attention from the media? In terms of the unappreciated aspect of the sport, I think the, the one piece that just does not get enough coverage is, is coaching and how important it is to the game and how it's evolved um, in terms of high performance uh, uh, execution, right? And I, I just don't know that enough people are paying attention to how valuable the coaches have been in terms of developing, particularly at the next-gen level in, in Canada, because uh, there's some outstanding work being done in terms of our next-generation athletes, and uh, it's not happening by coincidence. It's not a fluke. There's good people behind that, and, uh, and they're doing hard work, and I, I think that needs to be exposed a little more. And that does it for this year's Waking Up with the Scotties. Follow us on Twitter at FromTheHack and look for our Briar preview, which includes some good in-depth interviews with guys like Brad Gushu, Brad Jacobs, Brendan Botcher, Ryan Fry, Glenn Howard, Matt Dunstone, BJ Newfeld, Greg Smith, James Gratton, Reed Carruthers, and others. Also, get ready, because in less than a week, we'll be waking up with the Briar.